Hello, it's Toby Haydock here, and this is Happy Times and Places, in which I get a special guest to nominate a story and choose in secret their favourite things about it. I have to watch the story, commentate along to the episodes, dropping in observations and facts, and see if I can guess what those favourite things are. Hello, I'm Gavin Rymill, and I'm a writer and 3D illustrator for all kinds of things, including Doctor Who magazine and the Blu-ray range, and I uh, spent most of 2020 illustrating the Dalek Combat Manual. Um, thank you, Toby, for inviting me into this project. It's very exciting to be here. And uh, the story that I am nominating for you is Silver Nemesis. Well, welcome, uh, viewers, listeners, uh, doctors, medical students, social workers... Anybody who might be listening or watching, listening to or watching, watching Happy Times and Places. Um, I hope wherever you are is one or other of those things or both. I'm taking you back to season 25. Um, I've just noticed I've been a bit one-track minded in my selection for, I'd actually lined up for after this Attack of the Cybermen and then just realised, hang on. There would have been the five Doctors, uh, Silver Nemesis and Attack of the Cybermen in, in three out of four sort of chronologically released podcasts. So, um, sorry, Attack of the Cybermen fans, you're going to have to wait. It's because it's the only other Colin Baker that somebody has uh, recorded an intro to. I have many on a promise, but nobody's been forthcoming. Um, but I can't do five Doctors, Cybermen, Silver Nemesis, Cybermen, and then Attack of the Cybermen. It will, I've got to try and things out you know uh uh cybermen included um so anyway but that's for another time we are in the midst of cyberville uh but they're mixing it up with some nazis and a, a lunatic woman from the olden days and they're all ch chasing around for an arrow and a bow and all sorts of other stuff uh and yes the cybermen have just arrived to provide the cliffhanger, um, even though we kind of knew they were on their way. But that is the way of such things. Okay, so I would like you to press. We will see what Gavin Rymel uh, thinks at the end of this episode. Um, but I would like you to press play or, uh, you know, watch from the beginning, which is what I'm pressing because I'm watching on BritBox uh, in three, two, one, go. Uh, and now it will take ages to load, and so what's happening? What's happening? Yeah, and do boo do do. There we go. We're into Doctor Who. Uh, so I'm watching the yes, the as transmitted version. Um, I remember the VHS coming out with lovely silver on it, uh, uh, and and then the DVD, which I think controversially didn't have uh, the special edition, was it? Um, which seems like an odd decision now. Why didn't they do that? Um, was it as an extra? I can't remember. I haven't even looked because it's not a story I watch very often. But uh, the only reason I... Well, it doesn't matter. You know, If you know, you know. And if you don't know, go and check. I'm not going to waste precious time um, doing something I can't do because I'm locked into the episode now. Um... So the Cybermen have arrived uh, in quite a decent-looking spaceship. Was a, and I like the way that the light shines on Anton Differing's face there, and there's there's wind blowing on 
on uh, Sophie Aldred to suggest that that, you know, CSO spaceship uh, is 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 actually in the same vicinity. That's a decent effect. Um, oh yes, Aces, they saved my life. That they didn't ace. They just landed nearby. Seeing David Banks bottom of the cast list for episode one meant you kind of anticipated. Oh, the reveal of the Cybermen is going to be the, uh, the end of the first episode, um, which in Earthshock was a masterstroke because we didn't know the Cybermen were going to be in it. With this, it was a bit like this is this is what happens now. You sort of you you wait for the monster to appear at the end of episode one, which of course you don't really get. In, in modern Who, because a lot of the, the episodes are, you know, the story is self-contained. So you can't have a whole build-up to the appearance of uh, of the enemy. Although, that said, Army of Ghosts has the Daleks at the end. But that was a surprise. Um, the Dalek, Dalek human at the end of uh, Daleks in Manhattan, which was on the cover of the Radio Times. But we'll talk about those when we get there. So there's, there's a... There's a bit of battle. I quite I like this with the Doctor and Ace in the bomb crater. I have to say, Sophie Aldred and uh, a palpable, very palpable hit, which is from Hamlet, uh, and uh, yes, the Cybermen. Now, somebody said um, gold arrows would would actually be very weak, um, but you could say maybe it's just you know it's it's gold. It's gold on the outside. It, it, we get into problems with the coins later, but we'll talk about that. I remember being slightly disappointed with this fight because actually nobody gets... So all, all these Germans get sort of killed by explosions that happen in front of them. Um, but actually looking at this, I think this is this is all right now. This is quite this is quite a decent uh, battle. Uh, he, his, his leg moves a bit a bit awkwardly there. Um Oh, this is quite funny. Oh, I know that's a Budlier behind him now. I didn't know anything about flower. Budliers grow anyway. I've got one growing out my front wall. Um, I'm, I'm quite pleased it's grown because, uh, it, it grew, you know, the seed flew on the wind. Um, so I didn't actually plant it. I did plant one a bit nearby. Having bought it from a garden centre, you don't need to buy Budliers. They grow everywhere. Um, but uh, I'm told that I need to uh, get rid of it or it will destroy the wall. But part of me is going, yeah, but I, I grew that without trying. Um so anyway, that's the Nazis get killed off fairly quickly. Um, what I was saying about Sylvester and Sophie, um, they are great assets. Uh, the, the way that they threw themselves into that bomb crater. I have an image now of these two just, you know, every time there's an explosion, hurling themselves into it. And I think you absolutely need that from your your leading pair. And, and these two, you get the impression they are actors that you'd go, can you do that? And they'd go, absolutely. And they chuck themselves into it. Uh, and I think when you haven't got an awful lot of uh, money and you, 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 you know, you, 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 you need you need your leading performers to you know, really drive the energy. I think these 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 two game performers are a real asset. There's Chekhov's arrow in the TARDIS, <laughs> um, which is which is a very handy piece of uh, you know piece of plotting. That 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 arrow will come in useful later on, which is a nice touch. Um, yeah, poor old Carl. He's very rangy. Look um, uh, and. Yeah, see, it only just makes it out, but that's all right. That's quite fun. Um, I it's, and Mark Hardy is back as the Cyber Lieutenant, having not been in Attack of the Cybermen. But you can tell him he has the slightly raspier voice. Um, I 
Now, I played cricket at school, and I think the new cyber gloves are too identifiable as cricket gloves, is all I will say. Um, uh, and, and I suppose the other gloves are all too recognisable as sort of multi-purpose gloves, because they're multi-purpose sort of outside gloves, the, the Earthshock attack ones. I, th I, I think they're a slightly better choice, because cricket gloves can only be cricket gloves. Uh, and... Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure that's uh, an, an improvement myself. But um, now this is a bit sort of what Doc Two's about. Two two people. Oh, and there's Kevin Clark, the writer, looking at Richard's bow and arrow and going, "What's going on here?" And here are the two skinheads, um, uh, who I think look pretty good. And uh, there's a big you see it in in commentary about uh, this story where they go, "Oh, one of the worst things in Doc Two is those two rather skinheads." Uh, then I didn't. Neither of them went to Rada. Uh, pretty certain, uh, but the inference being, they are drama school actors, um, unconvincingly being skinheads. They're both genuine skinheads. Uh, Chris Cheering and Simon Laws, um, uh, and and Simon Laws certainly is is quite a a big mover and shaker in the skinhead movement. He organises skinhead uh, reunions in Brighton and things like that, um, uh, and has managed bands and stuff like that. So. You know there are genuine genuine skinheads. I, I not just people with short hair, but but you know the, the skinhead. You know as a as a as a social group. And uh, I don't know as much about Chris Turing, who's done loads of other stuff. He was in an advert for batteries or something or where he, where he was doing the sort of Bob Dylan subterranean homesick blues things. But he was holding up the 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 lyrics of a song but they were incorrect and I think it was to suggest was it for speakers or batteries or something but anyway and he, d he did quite a lot of work in the in the 80s and 90s he pops up in a few things that's a great and I think you can slightly see the helicopter blade because they simulate with with the spaceship you know they have the, the, the everything's rustling which is an attempt to go well we haven't just got uh, you know we haven't just plastered the spaceship onto the footage we've 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 plastered it onto a Onto a helicopter, so you've got the wind, you've got the gust. This is this is a <laughs> man. You see the. I always think of Richard as being really, really nice, but he's actually quite scary and threatening. And we we do know that he's helped kill a man. Um, but yes, uh, so I don't know as much about Chris Turing, but I I do have a friend who knows a lot of the old the the, the skinhead lot. I think he he was a skinhead himself in his youth and, and he he knew both of them uh and uh you know attested to them being the genuine article so um you know we've got genuine germans as the germans we've got genuine skinheads as the skinheads uh, the cybermen are all actors um so so the one the cyberman that sounds like that he's just cyberman and this is brian oral who was promoted to cyber lieutenant or played the Cyber Lieutenant in uh, Attack of the Cybermen, but is, uh, so, yeah, so, um, gosh, so the skinheads don't actually get an awful lot of uh, screen time. That's pretty much it, isn't it? We've got the punchline to um, their hilarious contribution to Silver Nemesis. Um, <laughs> I mean, anyway. <laughs> I mean, it's... Um, yeah, the, I mean the whole of that encounter is a is is, I I would say could do with some polishing, shall we say? Um, uh, you know, I don't know what the actors are really supposed to do with it. Um, 
but anyway, yes. So we've got we've got the three Cybermen um, uh, uh, who've, who've, who've all got a history uh, uh, with the show. Um, I, I actually think these slightly shinier helmets look absolutely great in this. I was going to say this set, but in this location, uh, which is nicely lit, and considering all the you know all the sunny stuff going on outside. Yes, because we are of course in the height of November. <laughs> It's a very November afternoon. Um, this this looks really nice. I think the lighting in here is fantastic. The Cybermen look, look great in it. Uh, and, and, you know, the slightly sort of black metal gold. Uh, now, ah, now I just started to to know some fan groups at this point. There's a fan group in the West Midlands. And uh, actually, I'd somebody... I knew had read had read the script of Silver Nemesis because scripts used to leak out early, and I never particularly wanted to know. Never really been one for for, for spoilers particularly. Um, and they'd they'd mentioned the bit of the Cybermen going listening to the jazz and going, "This is meaningless," and saying what a brilliant thing that was. And it it is. It's great. It's great. It is a it's a fairly simple thing, but it's a summation of you know the Cybermen, of course, would not understand. Uh, the 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 subtleties and and free freeform brilliance of of jazz. So social workers um, is the. Um, uh, yes. Yeah, so so yes. Yeah, social workers is the hilarious punchline to the awful uh, skinheads subplot. It's not even a subplot, is it? Um, they will eat us. Uh, yeah, so I, I do c quite like these two. I mean, I, it's not... I mean, what Fiona Walker's doing do, does not work, I don't think would work anywhere else other than in Doctor Who. Um, oh, and this is, this is... This is... Yeah, that's quite a weird... That's quite a weird thing, isn't it? I quite like that concept, actually, because uh, it, it, you know, it makes him, it makes him th think of his own mortality. But also, the idea that you are standing upon your own bones is is really weird, and and it's quite strange of her. She's she's bananas, isn't she? Um, <laughs> but is there a, is there a plot going on here? I suppose it's just everybody's trying to get the nemesis. Uh, so it's quite sort of episodic, really, isn't it? It's not... You know, there's not there's not much plot advancement apart from we've got the nemesis, you've got the nemesis, um, and, and everybody keeps stealing it from each other. And I suppose at the end it's revealed that the Doctor, you know, the Doctor had sort of manipulated everybody into place uh, in order... Uh, you know th that he was able to uh, dis yeah, destroy the cyber fleet and send it into space again. Um, with now, had they quite started moving then when that cut in? I don't know. Um, but I th yeah, I think these costumes are generally quite good. That that that, that sort of yeah, the, the 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 black metal except for the except for the gloves. Uh, I love the arrow effect, which is so simple. Uh, so simple, I couldn't do it. It's, it's front action projection, isn't it? Um, 
Madness. Oh, I like, I like the way the side left in a human condition of madness, he said, pointing at his head. These lady pain forts are crazy. Um, but yeah, but so she... I, she she's gone mad quite early, hasn't she? Um, or was she mad right at the beginning? Oh, no, because she gets a bit mad later. The, the whole gold thing, I don't... don't I mean... Yeah, but I, yeah, but it's—I mean—it's in the ground. Um, that one's not. That one's in you. Um, so, so the the Nazis are sitting in a van, waiting, waiting, waiting for the waiting for the story to give them something to do. Um, oh, so here are the. Here are the. T I mean, is 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 now? I've got to accentuate the positive. Um, that spaceship doesn't look as good on the big screen as I. But I recall it being being absolutely perfectly acceptable at the time. Um, and it's this is all shot on videotape on location, isn't it? And that's always I think quite hard to make atmospheric, especially at. Uh, although there are summary stories that that pyramids of Mars is quite summary, isn't it? And, Android invasion, so they're not necessarily, it's not necessarily a bar to an atmospheric story, although of course this isn't supposed to be set in the summer, this is supposed to be set in November. Um, we cannot sustain these losses, leader, we've, we've lost one guy and there's a golden arrow in the ground. Um, it's not quite sure what to do with gold, is it? Um, this, I mean, it's the, 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 the idea that they can't go anywhere near gold, um, which suddenly makes, you know, gold like a bit of magic rather than that thing about it, you know, clogging the chest plates. That that at least has some kind of, you know, sci-fi logic to it rather than the, oh, yeah, gold just kills them because gold's, gold's like their magic nemesis. Uh, Yeah, that's that's a very lovely doctory thing to do, uh, and this is great for Sophie Aldred uh, blowing up a spaceship. I mean, I had a drama teacher who um, w w watched watched some Doctor of this period, and he was he was quite interested in uh, in the whole of Ace being a sort of delinquent, and also the Doctor's manipulation of her, which which didn't you know didn't figure big for me apart from you know it's just sort of what they are, but. Actually, when you think that's a, that's a great, that's a model shot. I like a model shot, and that's a good model shot of an explosion. Yes, please. Oh, and then there's an actual explosion. That's a really good explosion. Well, exploded everyone. Um, but I, th I think, you know, having this sort of delinquent character um, uh, as as the companion means that you can. Why, why did why did you think it was betrayal as well? I don't know. Just just the same as the Cybermen didn't save Ace's life. Their spaceship being blown up wasn't really betrayal. Um, but anyway, it's just a moment, isn't it? Um, they didn't save your life, Ace. They just landed. Their it's not all about you. Typical bloody teenager. Yeah, a thing happened, and it was all about me. <laughs> But um, but I think I think having Ace as this sort of yes this sort of problem problem arsonist uh, 
you know, I didn't really think about it at the time, but I think it's a, a really smart move because actually you get to have your cake in it because if you wanted to, it's a bit like the Brigadier. You can get somebody to do all the stuff that the Doctor absolutely wouldn't do and wouldn't really approve of, but actually kind of needs to happen. Uh, so it's very useful from a plotting point of view, but then you have the sort of slightly troubling thing of his sort of manipulation uh, of... Of, of 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 her you know and 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 the fact that he you know the it's a slightly dodger dodgy eliza doolittle thing that he's got going on which is really open which really speaks a lot about you know the character and the dynamic and what's you know is it, you know it's that sort of troutnesque thing of behind the sort of uh, capering sort of m- melancholy overgrown schoolboy there's a there's a there's a machiavellian manipulator and i think that's I think I think you know the the more that I think about this era and the the relationship between the doctor and ace it's a really sort of quite sophisticated um way of storytelling um and and a really and a, and, a, and a really useful device and it doesn't weigh too heavily over the stories but it just gives another sort of current of character development beneath the you know story of the week or whatever well done yeah so um which which i think appeals to me more now than than i even thought about it then um of course of course the, and you're both you you're, you're both gonna double cross each other but 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 the, we are invincible yeah, yeah, we are invincible to your weapon, say the Simon Men. And don't think, but, the, but unless, of course, you go and buy some gold. I mean, this this idea that, you know, you are Nazis, so you have machine guns. Lady Painfort is her, so she has the gold. Um, and, and you know, it won't occur to one or the other to swap things or do anything. It's because because you do that and we do that. And that's a, that's a little, that is a little simplistic. Um, uh you know there are there are some beats in this that that yeah that are a little simplistic um no, no, and i only say that because as i say this is that's a lovely tree though and that's a great set as it were you know they're filming outside they can't build anything uh whoever found that whoever found this piece of scenery it's a lovely great fallen tree and having ace underneath it and the doctor over it that's lovely staging uh uh uh, no, yes, uh, it's it, every twenty-five years. Uh, I mean, w- w- one thing's on the eve of the really bad thing. Uh, yeah, which I mean, which isn't Hitler annexing Austria isn't the worst thing that happened at, at around that time. It may have may have set around set about World War Two, but so uh, I mean, it's 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 a stretch. But it's I remember thinking it was quite neat, and of course, nineteen sixty-three Kennedy assassinated which then leads to the 25 years to the 25 years of doctor who that that is nice so i'm being a bit i'm being a bit mean there um uh that the, yeah that the eve of world war 2 is is sort of worse than anything that happened in world war 2 but uh, i remember as a kid that was very very neat for me and it's a nice little history lesson uh and uh you know it's a, it's a, i think that's a very good idea for the for the 25th anniversary story to try and tie in that 25 actually means something and that every 25 years something bad happens uh i i uh, you know i think that's that's 
that's a that's a good piece of storytelling for the for the anniversary story. The lighting in here is beautiful, and that set is very good. Um, uh, good old Richard. Richard's yeah, it's funny. Richard Richard actually transforms, doesn't he? I I hadn't I hadn't really even noticed that at the time. He seemed quite nice at the time, but. Uh, I've bought some gold, yes. Well, no, but you can be killed by laser guns and machine guns. I mean, it's that's all that's very silly. The thing about, well, uh, yeah, we'll we'll be all right because uh, we're not we're not uh, vulnerable to gold. You're vulnerable to loads of other things, though. Uh, I think that the effect of the Nemesis statue is superb. Um, Oh yeah, but 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 I've 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 got the I've got the bow. <laughs> well, it, the the power is yours, but it's but it's not though, is it? Even if you had the bow, they could still now just take it off you. You're not suddenly vulnerable because you don't have the bow in the box. That's nonsense. They could just uh, anyway. So yeah, that I think all of that needs a little bit more thinking through but i am being i i am supposed to be being 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 very positive now i really like ah oh, hello uh, little chameleon uh, i presume they must have had to have got that from a uh, uh, from a from oh is it just a lizard oh you see i gosh it's just a lizard emerging from a leaf i think i thought oh it's a chameleon that disguises itself by changing color but you don't even get them in this country do you so it's it's so actually all it's doing is crawling from under a leaf whereas i thought oh it's it's a particular i've only realized now that i was completely wrong in my reading of that haha <laughs> um anyway i like this cliffhanger because it reminds me a bit of the cliffhanger of episode two of the tenth planet uh where you know spaceships are in formation which i love uh, as a cliffhanger uh and i don't think this is and i, I remember saying uh, to a friend at the time they said oh yeah i think it was deliberate that they tried to um i think that was just a fan being a fan uh i i don't think they've deliberately tried to um echo the the cliffhangers of uh the 10th planet i think it's just just a coincidence because the cyber reveal at the end of part one is is kind of you know that's the fact that that's they've got that commonality is not unusual um and uh and, and yeah, I think it's just a coincidence. But um, anyway, uh, I quite like, I do quite like that cliffhanger because of what it reminds me of. Um, a confession, I had a friend at school, uh, David, um, who used to sort of test me a bit. He'd used to say, who played so-and-so? And, -so? and uh, I hadn't got the radio times this week. Uh, and so I didn't actually know who'd played the the skinheads i knew i'd watch it later in the week and uh, they'd, they'd they'd fall to memory but the very next day he went okay who played de flores and i went anton differing he went, who played the skinheads and i remember saying uh, i i think i said because i i'd remembered other names on the credits so i said i i definitely said scott talbot and one other um scott talbot's the sound i think i maybe said ian dow who's the lighting and he went uh, no one of them was chris cheering and and uh and so i'd yes i'd i'd i tried to bluff my way into knowing something um and being a bit of a show-off uh and uh, i was wrong uh uh and i got found out so 
there's yes there's a lesson there don't don't pretend you and actually i am pretty good at uh, uh knowing who played people but uh, uh it, those those two names hadn't sunk in uh, overnight and uh, i i tried to bluff it out rather than just go i don't know uh, the freedom now of just going i don't know is 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 quite nice but i i'll forgive myself because i was uh in uh, uh how old was i i was 14 15 um but anyway, the confession time. I, I'd forgotten I'd even done that until I saw the credits coming up. I went, oh, yeah, I was foolish and I was caught out. Um, so anyway, what is my favourite thing of episode two? Um, I quite like the bit where you find Richard's bones. Uh, I quite like the battle. I thought the battle between the, the Nazis was quite good. I love the way Sylvester and Sophie jump jump about and throw themselves into things. Sophie Ace blowing up the spaceship is good. The spaceship blowing up is very good, actually. I do like the Nemesis statue effect. I think it looks great in that sort of gossamery, cobwebby stuff. You know, when it takes the arrow, I love that effect. That's going to be one of my favourite things. It's just, is it one of my favourite things of this episode? Um, I think I might choose the spaceship blowing up because I like a model and then of course it cut to a nice big practical explosion as well and I like the fact that Ace is a companion who can blow things up so I think it's uh, it's 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 got a lot of different things to recommend at that particular moment um, so yeah there's, a, there's, so there's plenty in there isn't there to find even though as I say I do find a little bit of the sort of simplistic sort of plotting shenanigans uh, is obviously stuff I talked about whilst trying to accentuate the positive. And I'm, I apologise for that, especially if you're a fan. In fact, I've, I was working on something this week. I was working on a radio series uh, and the one of the co the two illustrious writers uh, and, and, and one of them uh, who listens to this. Hello. Um, I don't know if I can talk about the show yet, though. Um, uh, was saying this was very much his era and he loved this uh, story because he was the right age for it and and you know all the ace charging around blowing up cybermen this was exactly what he needed as a nine-year-old so I, i'm aware that I, i'm perhaps slightly less forgiving because i was just a few years older and so a blooming teenager he finally faulted everything and as somebody who has had teenage children uh you know i, I i'm aware of how draining uh, uh people of that age who find fault in everything are <laughs> because <laughs> sometimes you just want to say oh not, not everything has to be oh it's rubbish um and and you couldn't do better yourself you know so yeah so maybe we're watching this in the shadow of my moany teenage self for which i can only apologize but there's plenty in there plenty in there loving the locations in, in places and uh oh and that and that you know that crypt location is lovely and the lighting in there is very good so there's plenty in there there's plenty in there um yeah i think i think i think yeah um so what do, hmm, so i did like that crypt location and the lighting in there i'm gonna go for the blowing up of the spaceship I am going to go for the blowing up of the spaceship with honourable mentions to those other things I've mentioned. What is Gavin Rymill going to choose about part two? And it, I was going to say, it's better not be the skinheads. 
Silver Nemesis episode two opens with a very impressive battle scene and uh, I could be tempted to nominate that whole sequence uh, as it's brilliantly shot and well edited and it makes it look uh, very expensive when it definitely wasn't. But my pick is the way in which the gold arrows defeat the Cybermen. The uh, juxtaposition of the uh, new technology and the medieval weapon. And I love the fact that um, Lady Painfort thinks that it's the poison on her arrow that has killed the Cybermen because that works on her enemies back in her time. And of course it's not, it's the gold, which uh, she's put there just as an ostentatious display of wealth because she's a narcissist. Um, I mean, it would make for a really crap arrowhead, but that's not the point. And she put it there just to show off. And I like that. Yeah, yes. Well, that's a very good choice. And I, I should acknowledge that that battle at the beginning is very good. And, 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 and again, I hadn't particularly enjoyed it at the time. I'd, I'd found fault in it, I, I suppose, because of movies and things at the time. But watching it now, as I watch lots of other old Doctor Who, you know, for, 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 for you know, in, in the canon, it is a, it is a very well staged uh, piece of action, as, as, especially as Gavin says, considering the resources available. I, I sort of, uh, in my mind. That whilst the arrows are dipped in poison, I think they're sort of dipped in gold too. I think they're proper arrowheads with a, with you know, and she's ostentatiously coated them in gold. Uh, I, it may well be contradicted that in the script, but that that to me, because then you've got an arrow that is of some practical value uh, and ostentatious as well. But that's a very good choice, and I like the way that Gavin uh, Gavin rationalised that and explained that, um, and and sort of tied it in with uh, uh, you know the various other concepts going on in the script so good choice Gavin I chose an exploding spaceship that, uh, that suggests uh, <laughs> the, the gulf between our ambitions there uh, Gavin thought of something that was very good you know well character based and, and worked within the, the themes and ideas and practicalities of the story and I just went for arson I went for teenage arson uh, but also a model shot I love a model shot um so, okay, so, uh, I mean, two episodes in, I'm nowhere near Gavin's uh, likes, but um, I thought that was fine. I, th I you know, I, it's, a, it's a perfectly enjoyable slice of who. I'm never going to say it's going to be, uh, you know, a huge favourite. So apologies to fans of this era, um, because, you know, you are tuning in to hear me accentuating the positive, and I've done a little bit of whinging there um i will try to uh invoke the image of my teenage son disappointing me by being scornful of everything and how much that saddened me at the time well it still does a bit because he's 17 now um uh but he's much more engaged now he's i think he's through the worst of the scornfulness but it does but you know that just that thing when you proffer something is yeah um, so I will try and invoke that image when I watch part three and be a bit more, uh, bit more, um, positive. Um, so thank you very much. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it and, uh, that, uh, whatever your favorite thing is, um, uh, was, was mentioned by one or other of us, or if not, that only goes to show that, uh, 
even as Gavin pointed out, the least popular Cybermen story has enough uh, favourite things in it that between us, you know, we can piece together something magnificent. Um, but until next time, um, uh, it may not be a palpable hit, but I hope it is some kind of hit. Uh, goodbye. Thank you so much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydoke. My special guest this time around is Gavin Rymill, who is on Twitter at The Mind Robber. You can also check out his Twitter feed at Dalek6388. That's fabulous. As are the patrons who make these podcasts possible, and they include Darren Mackay, Ian K. McLachlan, Gavin McLean, Rick Moran, Nathan Martin, Adam Parker, Barry Platt, Risto Matti Sarillo, Frank Shales, David Trainier, Luke Atkins, Peter Adamson, John Arnold, Kevin Ashelford, James Bell, David Bickley, Will Brooks, Rick Byatt, Robin Bland, Alex Capajoglu, Paul Carnahan, Andy Case, John Curley, Mark Dakin, John Ellidge, Sam Esterem, Gary Gillett, James Gould, Lisa C. Greco, David Green, Fraser Gregory, Paul Gregory, Dave Hoskin, Richie Howarth, Andrew Jordan and Ashley Knight. The music is by Dave Gates. The artwork by Dylan Patterson. Oh, well, if you would like to be on that list of patrons, all you have to do is to go to patreon.com forward slash Toby The donations that these people kindly provide uh, enable me to spend proper time doing, you know, proper edits and, uh, you know, using proper sound equipment and all of that sort of stuff. But also keep these, and I think this is critical, ad-free. Um, a few people have suggested I do adverts, but uh, I don't think I'd like to sort of go, and now we interrupt Silver Nemesis for these messages. Men, are you skinny? Or whatever. Um, so uh, I'm keeping them ad-free. Um, but that's that's because, well, as I say, um, the, 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 the patrons enable me to do that so thank you to them and if you would like to be one of them yes patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydoke three pounds a month is the lowest tier you can get 10% off that if you sign up for a year 10% off any tier if you sign up for a year and what a patron gets is um, bonus material exclusive releases uh, a podcast all to yourself called Far Too Much Information, interviews with Doctor Who cast and crew that haven't been heard anywhere else, and crucially, pictures of my dog Bernard. I understand a monthly commitment, which is what Patreon asks for, is tricky in these tough times. Um, Kofi.com forward slash enables you to donate every now and again, whenever you fancy or whenever you can, to um, artists is rather a lofty phrase, but uh, content providers is an evil one that I will choke on. So I'd rather say artist. Um, uh, p- people, people, noisy people, uh, <laughs> attention-seeking, um, anorak whores. Is that, God, where did that come from? Anyway, um, uh, yes, so there we go. You could do that. You could do that if that's really enticed you to go to Kofi. But what costs you nothing uh, is to go to iTunes, Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts from. And indeed, anywhere on cyberspace, go on Twitter, tell your friends, uh, spread the word about these podcasts. Word of mouth or word of cyber mouth is uh, very, very handy. And if you give these a five star rating and a few nice lines of review everywhere you can on the Internet, it improves our algorithms. It uh, are my it's only me uh, and makes more people aware of these podcasts. And that would make me very happy and grateful. Thanks. <laughs>
I'm a comedian too. I perform regularly at Excess Malarkey Comedy Club in Manchester on a Tuesday. Excess also has a twitch.tv forward slash Excess Malarkey channel where there's an archive of highlights from our lockdown shows featuring comics from around the world, from the US, from Australia, from the UK, all glued together by me. Um, and, uh, you know, it's what we did to keep people smiling during lockdown. So twitch.tv forward slash Excess Malarkey. I'm on Twitter at Toby Haydoke. Excess Malarkey is on Twitter at Excess Malarkey. And these podcasts have their own feed at Haydoke Podcasts. tired i uh it's a week since i ran 10 kilometers and oh, excuse me i haven't run anything since but i have recorded a fantasy radio series that will be on radio 4 uh, at the end of june so if you're a patron this is a plug for the future if you're a non-patron this is a opportunity you missed in the past because uh, these are released um a good six months before for patrons and the turnover is amazing for how quickly you record a radio series and it's literally on air in in three and a half weeks from me doing it so uh, it's called damned andrew and it has got lots of doctor who references in it i don't think i say any of them and i'd like to think i was cast for my acting ability that your heart sinks when you go this is a brilliant script oh that's a doctor who reference oh that's do am i just in this because of doctor who references but i actually i got to do lots of different voices play lots of different brilliant parts and it's a it's a great script uh, funny and fantastical and as i say with lots of doctor who references none of which were written by me uh so i don't know why i'm plugging that at the end of silver nemesis episode two i think it's because it's uh, tired and i can't think of anything else to say um uh, apart from beware of social workers <laughs> oh dear <laughs>